Hello again, it's Charlie O'Shields back with a very special episode of Sketching Stuff. It's been one year since I started this podcast and four years ago that I very first started painting with watercolor each and every day. And it's also the start of World Watercolor Month in July. If you post watercolor art online, be sure to remember to add hashtag World Watercolor Month during the whole month of July each and every time you post your art. It's a nonprofit event to raise awareness for arts education and get art supplies for underprivileged kids who need them via the Dreaming Zebra Foundation. Please visit worldwatercolormonth.com to learn more. I often get asked how on earth I manage to paint something each and every day. Well, it's not as difficult as you think, and doing so is incredibly rejuvenating and wonderful. That's why I try to get everyone to do it with me. This is a collection of stories to inspire the artist inside each and every one of us. And if you've yet to try watercolor painting, July is the perfect month to start. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. The Joy of Watercolor Paint Once for a prompt of paint, I had a chance to use just my two favorite colors, blue and orange. They've always made me smile. I love painting with a limited palette and just mixing very few colors to see what they can do together. Philippe was the first to try watercolor and I quickly followed suit and was thrilled from the moment I started. My tiny little watercolor kit hasn't changed that much from the very beginning, except to get even smaller. One brush, one pen, one little sketchbook, and just a handful of colors. The very concept of having an ultra-miniature and portable studio is what makes me love this medium. It's simply not possible with oil and acrylics, and since the kid in me loves making a little bit of a mess, watercolor's ease of cleanup is kind of necessary. It's awesome when you find the paints that fit you best. As a kid, I know I must have painted with tempera paints at some point, but I don't have any strong memories of doing so. I remember doodling on paper most, and much later in high school, I made illustrations for the school literary magazine along with some of my own submitted poems. My first and only art award came during middle school. It was a single line blind contour sketch of a pair of sneakers. In college, I talked them into letting me make editorial cartoons for the newspaper, a role that didn't exist at the time, but everything I made was black and white. My one painting class in college was with acrylic paints, and I didn't like them at all. They were messy, and I was too easily distracted to clean my brushes immediately, so it cost more than it should have in brushes alone. For the latter part of the class, I ran out of money for brushes and had to use a cheap yellow sponge instead. I made the decision after that to stick with drawing and leave the painting to others. And now, thanks to finding out about watercolor paint, I'm painting each and every day. Well, sketching and then painting, as I still really love drawing and don't want to give that bit up, hence my coined term of doodle wash. Even if I start with only a simple contour sketch, I still find myself drawing with the tip of my pointy brush. One day I will attempt a much larger painting that takes more than 45 minutes, but today I'm quite happy with my little bit of playtime. And each day I learn a little something new about this medium and mixing colors that will help me at some point down the road. 
But most of all, I just have a lot of fun. And it's such a wonderful and enriching experience hosting DoodleWash.com and pulling together all types of artists who use watercolor in many different ways. Is there a correct way to use watercolor? Absolutely. Whatever way works best for you. Trust me, you'll know when you found it and truly discovered the joy of watercolor paint. Getting out of the fishbowl. Once for a prompt of goldfish, I opted for a couple of them swimming in a glass bowl. After sketching the first one on the right as rather content, I decided the other fish surely had dreams of getting out of the fishbowl and experiencing the world beyond. I can't imagine that swimming in circles all day would be exciting even for a goldfish. Yet there have been many days lately where I too find myself just swimming in circles. Since sketching stuff is the only thing I've found to ease my crazy mind, I've taken to just scribbling things in my sketchbook whenever I find myself a bit blocked. Well, not really specific things, I just let my mind wander a bit. The crazed little fish on the left was born out of one of these scribbles. No doubt, a bit of an autobiographical view of my state of mind at the time, but I loved this little fish. He finally saw what I couldn't see at the time, a huge world of possibilities waiting for me just outside the bowl. The bowl in my case is only metaphorical, of course, and simply describes my safe place. A place I go to for all of the comfortable knowing that it brings. The place where I personally still break a lot of rules, but only certain ones. Some are still in my head, swimming around there like facts. But are they really? People have often used the term facts of life to refer to sex in general, for example. Those of us old enough to have experienced it know that those facts only apply to the scientific procreation bit. The rest is just a mess of emotions, hoping he or she will call you back, good intentions gone awry, and when finally performed correctly, a lovely night. The facts don't really do much to answer all of the questions involved in the actual process. As I learn more and more about painting, pigments, and techniques, I realize my mind is indeed swimming with various facts about watercolor. Yet the truth is, this was a medium only used by masters as study for oils, and they used it in a very different way than the approach of contemporary watercolor painters today. Whose facts are we to believe? The answer is painfully simple, of course. They're all perfectly correct. When someone finds a method or an approach to a medium and shares it with all their heart, they're absolutely right. The way that they do it is a fact of life, their life. And should you find it fits your own life and style, then it should happily become a fact of yours as well. But it's still not a universal fact. That's left only for the purely scientific bits of life and simply doesn't apply to preference, technique, or style. This is why I passionately tell people to take as many art classes as they possibly can. There's no better way to discover the styles and approaches that feel like universal truths to you. But if you're trying something that doesn't feel like a good fit, then take a break and scribble your way through it. Think of something else, try anything else, and then come back to what you were doing before and experience the difference. Whenever it feels like we're blocked or at a loss for what to do next, it's likely because some of the wrong facts are getting in the way. 
the ones you don't feel passionately about, sort of devilishly want to defy and simply accepted somewhere along the way. I've learned that if you feel strongly that you'd like to break the rules, then do it. Just see what happens. That's what art has always been about. When lots of people agree on something in art, we call it an art movement. But these shift and change with every century. In the end, it's about self-expression, which comes with no real rules at all, just a constantly alert and creative spirit that allows us to see all of the possibilities beyond what everyone else is doing. That's my hope for this community, to always look for new ways and new ideas when it comes to art and find the sheer joy that comes from finally getting out of the fishbowl. Painting with Light Once for a prompt of educational toy, my mind strangely leapt to the unlikely candidate known as a light bright. This little invention came along in the late 1960s and allowed you to create artistic masterpieces that literally glowed by jamming multicolored translucent plastic pegs through black paper. All of this happened on top of a rather unsightly box that housed a standard light bulb to produce a glowing effect through the pegs. As a kid, I ended up playing with a light bright long before I ever took my first drawing class. So this was my very first experience learning to find the contours that make a thing look like a thing. The pixelated creations didn't allow for much detail, so you had to learn how to abstract them into their basic shapes while choosing the appropriate hues. And no matter what you made, the end result glowed in vibrant color, and so it was guaranteed to look cool. Although this little game could hardly qualify as painting, in my little mind at the time, I was indeed painting masterful, luminescent art. Each little glowing peg I placed was like a stroke of the brush and diligently popping in the pegs, I would eventually manage to make something amazing appear. Mostly, again, because of the glowing nature of my medium, but I was certain nobody had ever created a sailboat quite as incredible as the one that I made. Interestingly, I was proud of everything I created as a child, but today I'll consider some things a failure and hope the next painting is a little more successful. Little Charlie never once worried if what he made was wonderful because he already knew it was. It wasn't there before. I'd made it appear, and therefore it was magical and amazingly good. There was never any doubt. I'm not sure quite when I managed to lose this extreme level of confidence in my art. Perhaps it was that time later in art class when I was told there was actually a proper way to draw and paint. Maybe it was even before that when my creations were not just lauded by my mother, but actually seen and judged by my friends. Whenever it happened, today, when I'm feeling uncertain, I just think back to my time with those little light bright pegs. Everything was possible and nothing could stop me from creating that stunning glowing fish or that perfectly symmetrical flower. I had no concept that this wasn't real art and felt the power of my creativity with each little colorful glow. Many, many years later, I would discover watercolor and once again enjoy the fabulous effects of a luminous palette, still never worrying too much if what I'd created could actually be considered art. 
and simply letting myself get lost in the wondrous experience of painting with light. My favorite body part. There are plenty of body parts one could choose when faced with a body part prompt, some more salacious than others, but my favorite will always be eyes. I don't usually paint people, so this is likely as close as I'll get for quite some time. I painted my own eye one year, but this time I painted a woman's eye instead. Still blue, as according to modern research, all people with blue eyes share a single common ancestor. So I assume she and I must be related in some way. Before this little color mutation occurred, everyone had brown eyes. Of course, this happened thousands of years ago, and I saw somewhere that the earliest known human to possess blue eyes was a 7,000-year-old caveman who was found in Spain, though it's thought this historic event happened up to 10,000 years ago. Blue eyes are dominant in my family, so even though my father had brown eyes, I was destined to get my mother's baby blues. Well, they were bluer when I was younger and have faded a bit with age. I think the reason I love eyes so much is that they are truly a window into someone's personality. No matter what someone is saying, their eyes are always telling you something meaningful. If someone is lying, it's rather obvious and typically impossible to hide. And if someone is telling you they love you, it can almost feel redundant because in just a single look, you already knew. The ability for eyes to express such a myriad of emotions is staggering. And of course, it's the ability to see lines and shapes that make them an artist's best friend. Each person's eyes are remarkably unique, not simply in the way they look, but in the way they choose to see the world. This is why no matter what technique you're using or what artist you're emulating, the work you create will always have a personality that only you could give it. And so I love this community we formed where I get to be surrounded by so many other artists. It's like having hundreds of extra pairs of eyes to help you see the world in ways you never noticed before. Ways that can surprise you and make you think about life differently. No matter how realistic, art doesn't replicate life so much as it illuminates and enhances it. Each stroke of the brush is a choice made based on what the eye sees and what the heart deems worthy. I always have a very different vision in my head of how something will turn out. What appears on paper never completely matches that, but I love whatever shows up there. In my heart, I'm confident that this was precisely the thing that was supposed to have happened that day. It was just another lovely little dance with splashes of uncontrollable paint and the always unexpected vision of my favorite body part. Lost in Reflection As I was nearing the weekend once, I found myself with a bit less energy, so it was nice to dive into a prompt of reflective. Um, I ended up with some sort of spritz that I didn't actually have, as my glass like that one was filled with wine instead. 
My mind had been buzzing with things I needed to do that week, sort of like a constant low hum of energy that both propels me and exhausts me at the same time. So it was nice to get a bit lost in the thousands of reflections that appear on a glass of something. I didn't capture them all, of course, but I hope I got the idea of them across. I love painting glass because watercolor seems perfectly suited for the occasion. Using transparent paints only seems to make sense when painting something like this. I'm sure it would look particularly amazing given time for layers to dry properly and a bit more attention to detail, but even in my quick and sketchy style, it still manages to create a glassy effect. At the moment, I'm sitting here listening to the Paris combo and relaxing. It's quite lovely, and seriously, if you've not listened to them before, I highly recommend it. They never seem to be in Paris at precisely the same time that we are, but maybe one day we'll be able to enjoy a live show. And their music is a perfect complement at this very moment. One of the things I've been reflecting about is Doodle Wash and where it might go next. I have lots of ideas as I typically do, and if any of them actually manage to jump out of my dream and into reality, then there may be some changes ahead. I sometimes lay awake in the middle of night dreaming up new ideas. I know I should be sleeping, but my mind doesn't shut off sometimes. In my half-asleep state, I'll trot through grand scenarios of things I'd like to do next. I love these moments. They're the kind when anything is possible and everything seems plausible. Sure, come morning, I'm left wondering how the hell that could ever happen, but in that moment, it already has. The magical moment when dreams come true. One of the things that makes me pause is the fear of messing something up, that I'll make a horrible mistake and should just leave well enough alone. But if I did that, then none of those amazing dreams would ever have the chance to see the light of day. They'd be lost in those twilight hours, drifting through thoughts and never actually coming into reality. So sometimes I push myself a bit further and force myself to just go for it already. What's the worst that could happen if I do it? Wait, that's not really the question. What's the worst that could happen if I don't do it? I'd never know what was possible. I'd then lay awake wondering what could have happened next. <laughs> that won't do at all. No, far better to risk it and move ahead into the unknown. Only then will it ever become the known. And finally, those dreams that I only wondered about might just be the ones that actually come true. That's a wonderful feeling indeed. Perhaps, after all, it's not such a bad thing to be lost in reflection. Each day is a golden opportunity. Once I had a prompt of golden opportunity, and it got me thinking about the phrase's definition, which is a chance to get something valuable or be really successful. I feel this way each time I sit down with my sketchbook every day. Today, it was a perfect opportunity to sketch a golden retriever simply because I think they're lovely dogs. This one has that wistful look I get most days when I'm dreaming about that next big dream or thinking about a particular opportunity. But what strikes me most is that first bit of definition about getting something valuable. This could really mean anything at all, and it's different for each and every person. What we personally consider to have value isn't always the same as others. For me, I feel like making something new each day is always the act of creating value, even if it doesn't feel really successful. 
Some days I think to myself, well, I tried at least. And others, like today, I feel like I managed to produce a rather convincing facsimile of whatever it was I attempted to recreate in my very short time to sketch in color. But each and every day, it's the very act of creating something that creates real value. That's why I'm always trying to get people to sketch stuff with me. By the way, my little Sketching Stuff podcast here has just hit its one-year anniversary. It launched at the start of last year's World Watercolor Month, and I hope everyone is participating in World Watercolor Month this year. Just add hashtag World Watercolor Month whenever you post art featuring watercolors or gouache on social media to join us. To be honest, I wasn't sure at first how long this podcast would continue, as I didn't know when I started if anyone would be at all interested in listening to me ramble on in audio format. And though I thought people might be somewhat intrigued to hear what I sounded like at first, I didn't think they'd stay interested after that. But your comments and support have been so kind and encouraging, so I keep showing up to produce more episodes, and will continue to do so as long as I know folks out there are actually still listening. What I've discovered on this wonderful and often crazy art journey is that showing up is everything. If you have the urge to create something, don't let anything stop you from showing up to do just that. The value is always in the doing. So as I move forward on my own journey, I'm excited to see what happens next. I'm not sure I could have predicted much of what's happened along the way when I first picked up that pen and paintbrush back in July 2015. And I'm thoroughly thrilled to see what each of you create next as well. Our community of artists, art lovers, hobbyists, and generally awesome people has been the most exciting part of this experience for me. Sketching and painting together has made every single moment feel extremely valuable. Each day we get the chance to learn not only from ourselves, but from hundreds and even thousands of other artists out there as well. Okay, not all at once, but over the course of our journey, we get the amazing opportunity to experience art through the eyes of so many other people. Yes, many that seem way more talented than we are, or at least felt that day, but that shining star you enjoy isn't meant to blind you, but merely there to help you unlock your own potential. I've been humbled daily on this journey as I know my own art isn't as exceptional as many of the artists I feature on doodlewash.com, but it's always exceptionally me. And so I adore what I create, and I think you should adore whatever you create as well, embracing every line, splash of color, and each little flaw that you see that appears. It's an amazing thing when we show up to do nothing more than be ourselves. And with each step we take, it's the beauty of never once forgetting that each day is a golden opportunity. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories. Bye.